Voice of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This sermon from Sunday, November 13th, continues our series, Stories of Hope. Christianity has tried to predict the end of the world for 2,000 years. So, is it the end? Pray with me. Wonderful God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts uh, be acceptable to you, our strength, our rock, uh, our redeemer. Amen. Ninth grade language arts did a book report on Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth. Raise your hand if you know of this book. <laughs> this, was a, this was a book about the end. It's in Hal's book, and this, I don't know why, I was, I was a pretty earnest kid. This is a religious book about how the world was going to end probably 1988 because that would be a generation after Israel was reconstituted as a nation. Uh, so there we were 40 years from 1948. Uh, my teacher said some nice things afterwards and I think was trying to redirect me towards maybe some other normal kid books. Um, it prompted a couple of really scary dreams uh, one dream where I was on a picnic with my youth pastor, Bill, and our group, and the sun flickered uh, and then went out and came back on. I looked over at Bill, and he gave me one of these, which was universal for, I see it too, don't talk about it. Um, and then the scariest dream I've had in my life of uh, my family walking up to Bellevue First Presbyterian Church weeping entering the sanctuary uh, on a flaming demonic presence at the front of the church. So I went to talk to Bill, and Bill said, Donald, um, you know, it's true that in the Bible, uh, God does give dreams to some people, uh, you know, but you probably, this probably is not that. You don't need to worry about that. Uh, and he said, and it's probably not the end of the world. He was wrong about the dreams, of course. I've spent the last uh, 45 years paying close attention to my dreams, um, writing some down, good breakfast material, uh, not uncommon for one of my couple siblings or even a couple pastor friends to give a call and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, you got time for a dream? Uh, and knowing that it's going to be a 15-minute recitation on their part and reflecting and asking questions on my port, uh, Freud called dreams the royal road to the unconscious. They are also God's gift, ignored 90% of the time uh, to us. Um, Bill was wrong about the end of the world, too. Talking about the end, uh, this, what a great Jordan leaned across after the children's sermon and very helpfully told me, hey, you don't even need to preach now. It's a great sermon on stories uh, and how they affect us, what they do for us. A year ago, uh, I took my first uh, week-long 30-hour training on the end. It's, we call it interim, transitional pastor training. Uh, it was time to do it because I was starting to wonder. I didn't know anything about y'all or Russ's retirement then, but I started to get prepared. And uh, I figure I'm about a sixth of the way done, two months in, a little more. Who knows? We don't really know. Um, but. I started to become a specialist in the end. I mean this in both senses of the end, uh, the time that comes to an end, but also we talk about the end as in 
purpose? To what end? To what end are we all gathered here today? What's going on? Uh, today, of course, I start uh, losing control of our process, right? In a wonderful way, we're going to have a congregational meeting. I hope you stay for It's going to be five minutes uh, when we get to officially vote in on the folks who are going to do the intensive work and preparation and analysis and conversation that they might uh, come spring, start fielding uh, responses from around the country about who would like to be New Hope's uh, permanent uh, head of staff coming up today. And of course, anyone in the music programs aware of another end that's coming in five weeks as Nick finishes up his uh, years, years long ministry uh, with us. We know about endings. We know in interim work about grief and loss and regret and woulda, coulda, and how that can interrupt new beginnings and so why it's so important to talk uh, about endings. We happen to be and this is why the lectionary texts turn us toward these passages. We happen to be at the end, if you know, of the liturgical year, right? Here's its clock. We're at 11.50 right now. Uh, next week, we have our last Sunday of the year, uh, the reign of Christ, Christ the Sovereign Sunday. One of my favorite Sundays in the entire church year. It marks the end with a great stamp of Jesus as Lord. No, no better anchor. Before we start, in a few weeks on Advent, right? We're back around to the anticipation. You see at one o'clock Christmas and ordinary time of passes there that leads us into Lent come late February. And then of course into Easter and then about half the church year starting in after Pentecost at seven o'clock there and Trinity. About half the year come June is what we call ordinary time, which is what we're finishing up today uh, because next week is a high holy day of Christ, uh, Christ the King, Christ the Sovereign. So we're at endings times, and we know we get shaped by what's coming up at the end. This church knows about asking, what are we working towards? Why are we here? Uh, besides finding a home, stumbling upon a home, being invited by your friend to maybe find a home here, our next statement is building a life. And what I love about that is it implies that you ain't got a life yet. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you need to build your life. It's not just going to fall into your lap. Skip. Lives don't fall. You got to build it, right? Colleen, you got to build a life. Um, at Genesis, we had a similar phrase, outfitting authentic disciples, right? Some folks didn't like that because it's judgmental. Are you implying, Don, that there are inauthentic disciples? My response was always a pastoral, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in a different biz. We want to build a life into something, right? Uh, it's intentional. That is end material. And today your invitation, of course, is to put your money where your mouth is and say, I think it's important to have a, a community of Christ because people need to build lives to make a difference, right? It doesn't just happen. So worship and study and prayer and fellowship, all those things go together. Uh, new hope understands that, what it takes to make a commitment to it. I'm celebrating a 48th anniversary of, of, a, of building a life. It was a Sunday. <laughs> okay, it was no, November 9th, 1974. Excuse me for knowing that. My dear friend, we had just finished with our youth group. 
taking the youth choir going to sing at a convalescent center. And I came back and we started talking for an hour and a half about how, how pointless life was. If this was our end, to be alone in an antiseptic, awful, awful place, then what was the point? On that afternoon, after an hour or more of very existential life falling apart, of seeing this truth, life isn't worth living. You don't need to have a daughter who's a PhD in philosophy to understand that life as we've been told it ain't worth living. It's just pieces. And I knew on that Sunday afternoon that I couldn't uh, go back to that life. I was a rather depressive kid. I get it. (laughs) But it's true what I knew, that this life would end. And I wouldn't even go home that afternoon. Now, my friend, this was, this was back in Bellevue First Presbyterian Church Sanctuary. She says she saw a demonic presence with us. I merely felt it. And uh, when I decided to end it, I didn't get in my suicidal ideation to timelines or techniques. Some therapists here wondering, how, how bad was he? But I knew that life wasn't worth continuing, even also that I could not continue it, right? And then, I'm not very good talking about this even after 48 years. Um, And then God agreed with me and God's awful spirit both descended and burned clean any possibilities that I thought I'd had. And instead, God offered something else. On that day, what I knew uh, uh, was that there was a new life and that I would have to choose it and that this new life would be about God. (laughs) And I felt the awfulness uh, leave. And then we were were laughing and crying. That's all I have to tell you. God destroys and wipes away. God is terrible and horrible in her insistent insistent, um, offering something else. But we can't go to something else until we say, enter a great reformed repentance sermon right here. We can't choose God until we say, ah, this is crap with your life. It's the first of 12 steps, right? And I'm powerless to do anything at all about it. It's just true. That's why I'm here, capital H. Other stories add on to why I'm here standing behind a pulpit rather than enjoying worship like normal people. Um, There is a new hope offered to us, and it is not easy to get to. We're going to Thessalonians today, uh, because like I taught about Exodus for the last two months, 
our Bibles in the wrong order, I wanted us to start with Exodus 15, uh, that our first sense of us is liberation and purpose. And then we went back and said, that was such a great story, we should do a prequel. And we went back and started finding stories about our ancestors and how we got in that horrible predicament, Genesis, so that we needed an exodus and a release. Here's the earliest part of the New Testament, your New Testament. Take your scissors and grab the Pew Bible, and we're, we're going to get, and we'll pass a stapler around. It's in the wrong order. It should start with Thessalonians. This is the earliest part of the New Testament. It dates back to 50. It's Paul. It's about the end. Here's the chronology right here. Uh, Paul's letters follow that with Corinthians and the best theology in the whole Bible in Romans. And Paul's probably done by 55 when he dies in prison. Um, much, much later, half generation later, we get to the gospel stories of Mark and Matthew and Luke and John. And then much, much later again, Revelation. There's the chronology of how the New Testament came together. Our first storyteller, our first explainer of what had happened this dates back to 50 again, so 20 years only uh, after uh, Jesus, um, is the end. Thessalonians 1 and 2, where a passage I'll turn to again in a minute here. Uh, our first declaration of faith, the first thing the Christian community said was, it's all over. God's dropping the big curtain. We're doomed. It's done. Blow the whistle. Everybody out of the pool. That was the first thing we said before we even told the story of Jesus. Cataclysm is here. We've been exactly batting a thousand on this. For 2,000 years, we've been exactly wrong. It's an, it's an embarrassing part of our tradition, right? And every generation without exception has said, I, I, I know that, but, but this generation, we've really got things extra screwed up this time. God's going to have to come back. We've said that for 2,000 years. For 2,000 years, we've been wrong about the end. Kind of awkward. It's why we don't talk about it much in Presbyterian circles. We're kind of embarrassed by the whole, a little, a little tacky. Where's Dan Hodge? A little tacky to, to bring up uh, this sense of, oh, oh it's all scare stuff. Oh, come on. We're going to sit in our pews and sing nice hymns. And uh, here we go. So that's our first lesson today uh, is obviously it's not the end. Here's the text you just read so wonderfully. I love it. Uh, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. Here's how Paul starts his stuff. So you might not grieve as others do who have no hope. You could say this, that having hope is the first message of the New Testament. Don't be like others who have no hope. We want you to have hope is the reason we're telling this. Here's the story since Jesus died and rose again. God will bring them back. Here's the key piece. God will bring with him those who have died. Uh, for this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that uh, we who are alive, think of this being 50 right now, who are left until the coming of the Lord, that's the return of the Lord, will by no means precede, meaning die, or die before these things have happened. I'm about to explain to you why the central doctrine of Christianity you don't understand why resurrection is widely misunderstood. Think of, what, think of the fun we're going to have at Easter. The, <laughs> for the Lord himself, with a cry of a command, this has got to be the most embarrassing thing, even as a moody, brooding, SOB ninth grader, this would have sounded weird to me. 
The archangel call with the sound of God's trumpet will descend from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Friends, resurrection is a collective one-time event. Everybody, good, evil, everybody gets raised from the dead. Every, no exceptions, because there's no other way to have a judgment day. Look at Matthew 25, sheep and goats. Unless everyone gets raised first. Uh, Jesus being raised from the dead is evidence that we're at the very end. That's what's happened. It's judgment day. Everything's done. Then we who are alive, who are left and haven't had a chance to die yet because it's going to happen any minute, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. A beautiful, embarrassing sentence, even from the start. And this just, this dropped out of mainline Christianity in my lifetime. We just don't even talk about this because we're a little embarrassed by it. I think even as a high schooler, we assumed this is metaphoric. Paul's being metaphoric at some, we're not going to go up in a cloud hot. We suddenly start realizing our language about Jesus' imminent coming is symbolic somehow. Well, a lot of Christianity doesn't say that symbolic. They say, no, he's coming back. Or he's coming back, and boy, is he ticked, you know? Uh, this promise and threat is the start of Christianity. And then we'll be with the Lord forever. And then the whole purpose, again, is to encourage people with these words. Are these encouraging words. Resurrection is this event we're looking forward to. Resurrection is both about chronology and teleology. The end that Paul is talking about is the end of history, and it's the end as in purpose. This is what we're headed for. This is what you should be living like, right? Um, our language about heaven. Pastor Don, don't talk about heaven much. There's not much in the Bible about heaven. It's really weak. And when Jesus talks about it, he's talking about sheep and goats. So even he's using metaphoric language. Uh, so I think I'm on good, stable, biblical ground to not talk much about heaven. I will say that heaven and resurrection are two doctrines. They really play the same role. And it's about the end. It's about lifting up the end. It's about saying, here's your purpose for being, and here's the chronology, all right? Uh, which is to say, to close, it's the end. <laughs> it really is the end, friends. Wake up! Jacques Ellou, French existential theologian, mid-20th century, said this, it is incumbent upon every Christian this is especially funny from Jacques because just a progressive liberal academic. Uh, it is incumbent upon every Christian to live as though the end were imminent. So yes, fine for us to feel superior to our more conservative fundamentalist friends who take it literally. Now they got this right. It's the end. The clock is ticking. Your life is on the line. It makes a difference. Quit relaxing like it doesn't matter what you do today or tomorrow. In Jesus Christ, we find our end. In Jesus Christ, we find an imminent uh, existential crisis of what are you on about? What have you been doing and why are you wasting your time? I can, I can save you a little time. This life isn't worth living. It's as futile and awful as you've 
as you've guessed, or if you're unfortunate like me, as you've experienced and known in your heart of hearts. But there's a better option. There's a better option. And if you can afford to let go of this, then in Jesus Christ, you find, oh yeah, a new ending. And it's scary as hell. Yes. Yes. Congratulations on making it this far in your life. Why don't we all let our imminent ending, our hope for heaven, for seeing my mom again, our hope, let that infect our present that we might also live as faithful disciples, anticipating, racing toward, embracing our end. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.